From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, September 5th. An Arizona tribe plans to pull out of a deal meant to prop up the Colorado River's largest reservoir. As KUNC's Alex Hager reports, this announcement comes after negotiations among the river's users stalled last month. The Gila River Indian community in Arizona announced it will no longer leave part of its Colorado River water in Lake Mead. The tribal community was part of a multi-state plan to leave 500,000 acre-feet of water in Lake Mead every year. The reservoir is currently at a record low. The tribe's governor, Stephen Rowe Lewis, said he was shocked and disappointed at the lack of progress made in broader negotiations over the river's future. Lewis said the community can't keep putting the interests of others above its own when those others aren't working towards a cooperative agreement. Across the basin, tribes hold rights to about a quarter of the Colorado River's average annual flow, though many lack the infrastructure or funding to use their full allotments. I'm Alex Hager. A group of scientists and nonprofit leaders recently headed up Independence Pass east of Aspen, Colorado, in a small airplane. They represented groups like the Independence Pass Foundation and the Watershed Biodiversity Initiative. And they were looking for places along the pass to restore beavers. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio and Aspen Public Radio, Eleanor Bennett reports. Local ecologist Delia Malone works with the Natural Heritage Program and the Sierra Club Colorado. She helped organize the tour with EcoFlight, a local nonprofit that helps people see the landscape from the air. Malone says beavers and their dams play an important role in replenishing groundwater and keeping streams like the Roaring Fork River and its tributaries flowing year-round. But just a fraction of the original beaver population remains after fur trappers decimated their numbers across North America in the 1617 and 1800s. And if we think about the idea that our headwater streams provide the flow uh, that goes into the Colorado, and think about the idea that the Colorado is in dire shape right now. Beavers store a tremendous amount of water. If we can just get them back to where they once were, they will make a dramatic contribution to improving those flows. Tom Cardamone is a local ecologist and the executive director of the Watershed Biodiversity Initiative. He joined Friday's flight and says beaver dams can also help create critical wetland habitat. Something that I think biologists all generally agree on is that riparian wetland areas support about 80 percent of our nesting bird population and 75 percent of all native wildlife in this area depends on wetlands and riparian zones for at least a part of their life cycle. The group that flew with EcoFlight plans to meet again to compare notes and identify areas that look the most promising for beaver restoration up Independence Pass. They'll next visit those areas on foot and then work with agencies like the Forest Service and Colorado Parks and Wildlife to propose restoration efforts. Eleanor Bennett, Aspen Public Radio News. More than 1,000 years ago, a canyon in central Utah was home to a thriving community. For a look at what life might have been like for them, Christine Weller, with our partners at KUER, stopped by Fremont Indian State Park along Interstate 70. Ruins of more than 100 structures built by Fremont Indians were found here in the 1980s during I-70's construction. They date from the 10th and 11th centuries. 
Archaeologists call them Fremont Indians because this site is by the Fremont River, and the Southern Paiute called them the small people. But who they were, and even what they called themselves, is a mystery. Most of what's known about them is from archaeology. On Indigenous Skills Day at Fremont Indian State Park, rangers and volunteers are showing visitors what we do know about these people. We just do all these demonstrations. I mean, these girls are my helpers. The Fremont were originally hunters and gatherers, traveling seasonally. But 2,000 years ago, they began to build homes called pit houses. These communities had granaries, and sunshades provided a communal space. They made pottery, toys, and clay figurines. They also began to hunt with bows and arrows. Isaac Freilich is a volunteer. He is showing how arrowheads, knives, and other tools the Fremont would have used are made. It's called flint napping. And right now I'm flint napping some obsidian from here in Utah using a copper percussion tool. And basically I'm just shaping it and thinning it down over time, just slowly working the piece to the shape you want. Around this time, they also began to grow corn. Rena Pickovit is Navajo, Apache, and Paiute. She's worked at the park for eight years as a ranger's aide. She is demonstrating how the Fremont made bread using blue corn, starting by grinding it between two rocks. The natives, they did the ash bread. They used blue corn. That's the only flour that they have. Once the mixture is ready, she shapes it with her hands. <laughs> Next, the bread goes into the fire. The natives used to make it on the fire, ash. And people always say, well, what the ash? And I go, you just wipe it off. It's not going to hurt you. Her son, Nathaniel Pickovit is a park ranger. He is demonstrating how atlatls are thrown. The Fremont use atlatls, or spear throwers, for hunting. This is the atlatl. It's an Aztec word. It means throwing dart. It's mainly just an extension of your arm. Some visitors try their hand at using the atlatl to throw a spear. It's a big favorite among kids. Good job, baby. Isaac Freilich, Taking a break from flint napping, picks up a traditional double flute. It's very sensitive. Even moisture from his breath can affect the sound. While the Fremont lived in the area for 1,000 years, the Little Ice Age during the 13th century made life more difficult. So they started to leave. When the Ice Age hit and they split, a good portion of them went south and became the Hopi people. And then the ones that stayed intermixed with that Numic-speaking group, the Uto-Azteca group that came up, and that's the Mayan-Aztec descendant. They became the Paiute Utes and Shoshones. Although the Fremont were absorbed into different cultures, their legacy lives on at Fremont Indian State Park. Evidence of their lives is documented here. And even though the drone of traffic from I-70 is a constant companion in the canyon, in some areas, we can hear a hint of what sounds the Fremont people may have heard so many years ago. Water, birds, and wind. Christine Weller, KUER News. This report comes from our partners at KUER. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, September 5th. 
get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.